um, I think it really highlights, you know, the importance of what you're doing with this podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I definitely did feel like there was a need. And I would say, from my point of view, um, I guess the Tories are to blame. <laughs> I guess I guess the government, I guess the government does have to be held accountable to some respect, because I really do feel like, um, mm. I, I really do feel like, although we are sort of the foundation, we're like the public, we're the people where this conversation starts. I yeah. do feel like you can't get real change until there is the correct amount of funding for facilities such as, you know, community youth clubs, sports teams mm. where young children can go. Um, yeah. Firstly, you know, they can stay out of gangs, but also they, they're much less likely, it's proven, you're much less likely to suffer from mental health problems later yeah. in life if you've had a community setting growing up and you've had support around you. Um, I would say we're probably at one of the worst stages in terms of mental health in this country. And yeah, I, I know everyone preaches about us being, you know, Western country democracy. I mean, mm -hmm. looking at America, we, we can see how fragile democracy is. But yeah, I, I, I feel like that's just a, that's almost a smokescreen for, for the real problem. Um, I feel yeah. like, yeah. again, I just want to make it clear to our listeners, this isn't a podcast aimed just at men. This is just highlighting issues that have disproportionately, yeah. disproportionately affected men. And if you are a woman and you're listening um, all I ask is obviously, yeah, like I hope that this podcast can help you better relate to sort of, you know, the men in your life, your brothers, friends, um, partners, um, family members, parents, you know, whatever. Um, because it really is an issue that it's yeah. almost like if you, you know, if you skim a stone in, 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 into, into calm water, it's going to cause a ripple effect. Yeah. And that's really what we're everyone. dealing with. Yeah, 100%. You're right. You're right. And I think one of the things is, you know, uh, like I think about when, when do I have these kind of conversations with people, especially um, sometime and we'll talk about this later in terms of like more personal um, aspects of it. But I, I can't remember many conversations I've had and like, you know, conversations where I should have been talking about you know, mental mm -hmm. health with people that I could kind of see something was wrong. And um, it's, it's definitely um, something that, you know, as you said, we need to put in a line where like, but at the end of the day, you're right. Like there needs to be... Um, a more kind of unified effort from like, you know, from, from government and from, as we'll talk about, you know, universities uh, to really drive that forward and, and encourage, encourage people to kind of become more aware of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's almost, it's, it's not only, yeah, like I want to make it clear as well. It's not only a macrocosmic problem, it's also microcosmic mm. and we can influence it sort of through everyday actions. And although to us as individuals, it may not seem like it's having a big effect, um, say for example you've got a friend who's been under the weather for weeks and and you yeah. you know they've no one's reached out to them if you're that one yeah. person to reach out to them they're then much more likely in the future if they see one of their friends or someone they know who you might mm -hmm. not even you know be, be in contact with they're much more likely to reach out to them and it's just a it's a yeah. really nice sort of chain reaction and I think yeah we as men a lot of society, uh, a lot of what society teaches us is to be macho, keep your feelings to yourself. Um, mm. I know at uni, there's a lot of friends from Asian culture and a lot of friends from um, sort of Arabic culture, you know, some people from Dubai and, and, and places like that where mental health is actually really shielded. It's it's a, even more of a taboo subject um, yeah. than it is for us. And yeah. even though, um, you know, those parts of culture separate us and even though in in the uk it may be uh, you know maybe slightly easier to talk about it's it's an issue mm. which really does unite us in how hostile it is and and it, it right. spares no victims it doesn't care about your 
demographics or your background or your class like it it, it affects people you know equally 100%. equally as bad um and, and I, yeah I, yeah so I think I was university just say, re- go on go on yeah so i was just gonna say uh, talking uh, along those lines in terms of like the BAME community um i really think a lot of the things here talking about sort of men and and and, and people in the BAME community it is something that if you're not careful um, it really can single out certain groups and it can really single out. Yep. It, it's sort of ruthless. And that is, mental health is really good at that. Um, and again, like I'm all for, you know, equality and, and, and things like that. But I do think this has been an issue that has been overlooked by society as a whole. Um, and it's, it's not shameful and it's not wrong to, to point it out and say, actually, this is something men are dealing with and, and we need society as a whole to pull together and try and fix this. Um, Definitely. Hundred percent, and and linking on that point, I think you know you mentioned like the different kind of cultures and how um, certain cultures may like kind of avoid, and it might even be a bigger taboo in certain parts of the world. I think you know we're so lucky to be at like universities where we get to interact with such a diverse pool of people. Like the kind of the um, opening up and like the kind of things we'll talk about in terms of how do you solve it, how do you actually make it less of a taboo. That just has ripple effects, not just within the UK, but like across the world, because. I mean, you know, they'll have families back, you know, back at home. And then when they go home, like their, their perspective would have been changed. And maybe they'll see some of those red flags like within their own family. And I think it's just, it's a really powerful thing um, to do, especially in our position, like, you know, being in that like diverse environment. Yeah, definitely. And actually, um, you know, that leads on really well uh, to the next question, because on the, on the, on, on sort of the subject and theme of culture, um, I would say, obviously, I'm very sort of patriotic about being English, being a Londoner, you know, I've had mm. so much stick from people at uni saying, oh, you live in Essex? Like, you're right. No, no, I, I live in I live in London. <laughs> if any of those people are listening. Um, E4 is East London, by the way. Um, anyway, uh, what, what I would say is I, I do feel like a very strong connection to like the Cypriot communities. You know, like I know a few Greek mm. words, some of which can't be spoken on here. Yeah. Um, but for example, get, please tell me if my pronunciation is wrong. Lucanico. Is that that's a is that correct? Yeah. Okay, yes, nice. yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, like I was saying, I think, yeah, so on a personal on a personal note, what mental health issues have you faced and how have you overcome them? And I think it'd be interesting, Christos, if you answer this as well, sort of given the context of your cultural background as a Cypriot, um, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think um, from a cultural perspective, I mean, obviously, I'm like kind of, you know, third generation, so I've been um, like, I suppose I, I would still class myself as like being raised like in England, but I'm, I'm very close to you know, my grandparents and they kind of came from, you know, Cyprus as like kind of um, to, to, to move over as like migrants. And I think, you know, one thing um, I really realized is that it was a, it was a bit of a taboo, you know, in, in the Cypriot cultures, I'm sure is, there are many parallels between many other cultures around the world. Like you're, you're very close to your family and maybe in some ways that's a good thing. You're not going to feel as isolated. Maybe you won't have those moments where you feel trapped and, um, like kind of maybe that avoids some mental health issues it doesn't avoid all of them it doesn't mean they won't develop but at the same time I think um, you know th- you have that openness you have that closeness in the family it's still a bit of a taboo subject you know that mental health kind of issue especially um, you know m- my grandparents like you know okay they, they came over to, to England it wasn't something that was really talked about there and I think you know o- over the years you know with um, things we've experienced in the family you know we- we've we've had to confront that, you know, confront that mental health is a really kind of important thing we need to discuss. It's an important thing that's like, has it has directly impacted, um, like, um, part of like people in our family and like, you know, impacted our lives. And so I think, you know, 
over over the especially say the last decade it's really kind of become something that's become less taboo and the benefits of that you know i've, I've been able to see that I've, I've been able to see you know the power of being able to open up within your family being able to be so much clearer as to what others are experiencing um it's a really powerful thing and um and you know that that links not not just like kind of from the family perspective but even at university you know kind of like um, especially in term one, it was like a, a bit of a kind of a tougher period, a, a really kind of probably the most stressful period of my life, I'd say, like in, in term one, some of the things that kind of clash. And there were moments where, you know, you, it wasn't just a period of being down. It was a period of being, you know, prolonged, like kind of um, that that downward pressure, like was really kind of prolonged. And I think especially when you're, you know, you have friends that from, from other cultures where, again, it's taboo. Again, you don't really talk about it. It can be a real barrier. Um, and, you know, as we'll talk about, you know, later, kind of some of the solutions in terms of being able to trust like people that you're very close to and actually using it as an opportunity to, to strengthen a friendship. Um, it's, yeah, it's been really fascinating seeing that. And um, I think, again, it just highlights the importance of being, you know, opening about it, being aware about it so that it can um, foster that environment of trust. Yeah, definitely. Um, honestly, on, on, on topics like this, openness and like dismantling the idea of it being a taboo are the, are the key things. Um, I would yeah. say for me on a personal note, I would say, yeah, the, the first time mental health started really rearing its head was d- during my driving, <laughs> driving test experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to give you some facts, this is going to come across as like a maths equation. There's so many facts and figures here, but you know, try and wrap your head around. It. <laughs> so it took me a hundred hours, 2000 pounds, free instructors, and five tests <laughs> yeah so it's a very testing experience it was a very um dragged out experience mm-hmm. i even started looking up celebrities who had been ce- successful despite not having a driver's license and i don't know weird fact but david attenborough yeah. and ed sheeran can't drive very successful wow. people I didn't know that that gave me That's a lot good. of confidence at the time yeah um but but i, I think that was the first time i really felt a really deep yeah. level of anxiety not knowing what to do and mm. stress and I know for a lot of people again like I'm not trying to diminish you know what you felt but I think that was the first point and then yeah. over 2020 over um coronavirus you know the pandemic uh, you guys have heard enough about it for you know I don't need to add anything more but I think that was when it sort of really deepened and yeah 2020 was almost like a roller coaster um which has yeah. like which like has no ending <laughs> it was like a, you know the loop de loops that just keep on going round and around and around but um yeah yeah no thanks to a really good support network um mm. you, you know you include christos I've, I've offloaded a lot a lot of the same things you've had to be on the receiving end but uh no yeah. like due to a really close support network i'm you know much better place now and, mm. and I, I obviously i feel comfortable to to create this podcast and try and help others um yeah and I'll yeah. say, yeah, so the first point, um, people, the friends around you, the family yeah. around you. And right. even if you're that person who, you know, you, maybe you're slightly introverted, you don't have a massive friendship group. It's really not about the numbers. Um, yeah. It really 100%. is about, you know, the quality of friendship that you have and the closeness. And what I'd say to to any men out there who are, who are thinking, I, I'm literally the loneliest I've ever been. My friends aren't around me. I, I don't know who to who to contact. Honestly, there's so many helplines out there, like Samaritans, um, and and I think Mind UK also have a, a comprehensive yep. list of people you can call. It's really good short term, um, short term solutions. And I'd say never feel like you're too strong or you're too, you know, never feel like you're too yep. put together to use it. Um, most of us in our lives will have to use, you know, something like that. 
Um, So there's absolutely no shame in it. And it's actually a sign of strength. Um, Definitely. What what I'd say as well, though, like uh, as as something else um, that for me, I think I've used to try and overcome any any mental Mm. health issues has been exercise. And that's not just sort of, you you know, your macho sort of bench press, uh, you know, weightlifting and all of that. It doesn't have to be that. I mean, I mean, for me, it was running 20 kilometers. <laughs> you know, I would, I, I'm not going to lie, like running the length of Epping Forest was difficult, but it, it de-stressed me like nothing else. Um, the rush you get, the run is high, as they say, you know, and it, yeah, it, it is yeah. unlike anything else. And yeah. it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be really high endurance, <laughs> high energy sport. I mean, my, my mm. nan, you know, she got the vaccine last week. Um, she, she actually plays bowls to, um, to, get yeah. over any stress or anxiety and i've we've always had the she always beats me she always beats me the the christos you know how competitive i am i absolutely yeah hate it. that must be a very tough one yeah <laughs> she she was probably it. she was probably like the 1850 champion okay she was probably she was she was probably number one 1850 what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think you're missing out 100 years there <laughs> no see christos you can see you can see the bitterness coming out she's at like 20 nil winning streak but you it, gotta you know, keep this podcast away from her. It's yeah. not gonna turn out well. <laughs> listen, I listen, I have to let her win, okay? Listen, the age gap, I I, I just have to right. let her win. You know, if I was trying, it would be a different story. But <laughs> what I'm trying it's to It's an interesting I'm... point. It's a good point. Yeah, it's a very yeah. good point. It's because like yeah. It it doesn't have to be a twenty K run. As you say, like <clears throat> you know, no. personally, I think even even for me, a ten minute run or something mm. that resets the system. And sometimes it's more about being part of a like a, a rhythm, a kind of habitual yeah. behavior that, you know, when you're feeling really down, it's so easy to put that off, to put that thing, yeah. say that, you know, two runs a week, that second run to just put it off. But, you know, sometimes it's those bad workout days or like those bad um, walk, walk days, like say it's just a 10 minute walk. Those are the ones that keep it alive, that keep, you know, you, your kind of um, mood alive and prevent you from dipping into a more permanent kind of downturn and a more, um, like uh, you know an even more detrimental kind of state of mind um even though you may think at the time oh that was a really bad run or that you know there's no point going i have no energy and it's almost like the idea that you kind of you do it and then your mind is distracted you kind of you, you it takes yourself away from that isolated perspective and um, so i think it's such a powerful point and like building on from that first point you know kind of that human interaction and, and being you know open to people and, and you know, you're absolutely right it's not about the quantity of friends it's not about the number and this is where obviously social media can become very very toxic it, it is about like those quality and um, one-on-one kind of interactions and and relationships you have and um you know the more the more trust there is in that the more you know you, you can build that and then the exercise is such a powerful tool uh, you know above that in terms of strengthening um that system but yeah i'm interested is there, is there anything else like you've been able to like use to kind of help you um lift yourself out of some of those yeah. like down moments in 2020 yeah so it was actually something you suggested <laughs> um so the, the sort of ranking system, actually ranking where you're feeling, yeah, your mental health yeah. feeling, rather than it being this intangible, immaterial thing that you have no control over, actually owning mm. it and and thinking to yourself, where am I at, at the minute? So the scale, I know that you yourself, as an economist, as someone who came up with this, you know, the, <laughs> as someone who adapted, <laughs> I don't it, think I can I take that credit, but <laughs> <laughs> but I know, I know you you obviously go between zero and a hundred, but for me, it's between yep. zero and ten. So yep. to explain that a bit more. 10 would be the luckiest day of your life 10 would be you walk out mm. the door and there's like snow and then you get 100 million 100 million lottery jackpot and then someone yep. just walks up to walks up to you in the street and gives you like five labrador puppies well for me that would be like that would be like a 10 
and then zero yeah. would be you know you walk out your you walk out your house this is a day after the snow you slip on the ice and you break both your legs yeah um yeah. it's not a good day not a good day yeah. um so for me uh, i would uh, because i'm very scatty and creative i would do very irregular recordings it would be three times in mm. one week and then nothing for like a year um, yeah yeah but what it did yeah. give me was it allowed me to actually track which areas of my day which times of you know which times of, of the week whether it's the weekend midweek which times i was actually really suffering and if i drop below a mm. five i would say that is when i start to think why is it dropping you know what's yeah. causing this yeah and uh, as, as you know, Christos, routinely, I'm, I'm like the king of the all-nighters. <laughs> like, I'm routinely up at 4 a.m. Like my, my bedtime recently with deadlines and stuff has shifted uh, so that I usually go to bed at about 4 or 5 a.m., wake up at about 12, 1. <laughs> um, so for me, I know that early morning, I have a spurt of energy where I get loads, mm -hmm. of, loads of work done. And then I sort of hit a really low point where I get really reflective, really nostalgic, I put yeah. on like I intentionally put on like sad songs. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. to mitigate that, I've recently been trying to get into a much earlier sleep routine. So I actually, by the time that 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 lull or that drop would hit, obviously, yeah. so it wouldn't be an issue. So yeah, Chris, so I'll be interested to hear like how you've adapted further because I yeah. think you're a bit more of an expert on this than I. <laughs> I don't think I'm an expert. No, I think like you hit the nail on the head. We all have different approaches and they fit our different personalities. Like, um, and it's a very similar system I use, like, you know, the, the zero, zero to a hundred. And personally, I record it like very, I'll probably, it's just because I get a bit obsessed with it, you know, like, you know, economist mindset. I just want to track everything, which is probably not a good thing. But anyway, like every day I, I kind of try and track, you know, that mood, like different yeah. times day after I've done an activity. And I think you, you're absolutely right. What one of the biggest like the most powerful things about this is one, you can see trends and you can see where you're vulnerable, where do you usually kind of dip? And it's not, not and like realizing that when you dip, what do you usually do? As you said, you listen to like, you know, nostalgic music or music that makes you reflective. And then like, you can, can then like look at that and you deliberately say, right at that time, rather than like saying, putting that music on, I'm going to make it really easy for me to put some really positive music on and that directly counteracts that mood swing. And you, you basically can really... my advice yeah. would be don't listen to anything by Codaline or Mumford or Sons <laughs> or <laughs> don't, don't just don't get into indie folk late at night, basically. That's it. That's it. That, yeah, that can be deadly. That can be really deadly. You've got to be, no, um, yeah. It's, I think, I think the way, the way, again, this sort of shows how one tactic um, has been used by two different men, you know, very different it. people. I mean, obviously you yeah. as a lot more sort of academic and, you know, economically focused than I am, whereas I'm a lot more sort of creative and, and, mm. and I guess artistic in that respect. Um, I would say that you can see how it's been adapted and it's yeah. been used by both of us to overcome um, sort of, mental health issues um i was just gonna say I, I think yeah bringing it out from sort of an individual perspective um i think the next question um to to ask is actually what role should the government and university uh, universities and education institutions what role should they be playing in in preventing mental health issues do you think hmm it's a really good question it's a tough question and like you know i've told you this before but you know uh, like I think one of the problems with economists, we like to spot problems. We don't like to give solutions. So when you, when you ask for a solution, it's really tough to think of that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, personally speaking, I, I think we, we've talked about this. It's not just a top-down issue. Like, 
like the government and you know it's so important for them to invest in the nhs unit that deals with these matters but it's also a very bottom up issue and like the the thing that can be most helpful to someone that's really suffering mental health as like so i've experienced and i think you've experienced as you were mentioning before is really having um a really deep connection and, and friendship and relationship with someone that you can then open up to. And so I think, you know, how do you kind of foster that? How does the government foster that? I think they do it through awareness. They increase awareness and they can, you know, simply use, you know, I don't know if you've heard of it, you know, nudge theory kind of tactics and um, where essentially you use commercials, you use different kind of visuals and, and like kind of um, nudges throughout someone's life to, to really make them aware of say an issue that might be there. For example, I think you were talking to me about on Snapchat, like with the lockdown, there's these like pair of eyes they, they have like one of the adverts and they say, you know, are you social distancing? Um, and, you know, say if they have something similar to that, but which says, you know, it's kind of making people aware of the red flags that may some of those, some of their friends might be showing. And if you're aware of that, then when you're having that conversation, that one-on-one conversation with a friend and you notice something and you decide to bring it up and, and ask about their experiences and they, they start to avoid that and they start to feel uncomfortable, then maybe you can see there might be a problem and, and you can actually help them. You can become that trusted friend and open up to them. And then Definitely, you can just see yeah. the positives that can lead to, you know. So, yeah, I don't know what you think. What, what's your kind of take on that? No, I, I would agree fully. And, and from a graphic design perspective, um, it's very effective marketing. And I know this mm. isn't about marketing. I know this isn't about advertising. This is about yeah. people's lives. But yeah. at the end of the day, um, the fact that, uh, it, you know, in the first term of 2020, this was uh, based on data run by the student tab. In the first term of, of 2020, more university students committed suicide than in the entire year of 2019. Absolutely. I, I feel like this this pandemic, of course, it's not only had a direct effect on people's mental health, but it's, again, it's a, almost a smokescreen. It's covered the eyes of, of people in power, people in government. Mm. And it's almost made them think that mental health has almost gone away. All the other problems have gone away because this is the only problem we can focus on now. And I, I think, um, although, obviously, you know, you can be on, you can be on a snapchat just scrolling through memes or something and then boom the eyes are there it really does it really does catch you unawares um and it genuinely the first time i saw it, it really did sort of give me like a shudder and it made me really question everything and think wow like i'm i'm actually look, am i being responsible enough am i doing yeah. this am i doing that yeah yeah um so and, it really yeah. does yeah it really does make an impact and i would say i think in terms of the government you know my views on the government christos um at the minute <laughs> Uh, they've changed a lot during this pandemic they and have, yeah. I, I think there's only there's like so many adjectives you can use to describe them there's no point going into it now all I will say is I think they're probably the most incompetent government we've had in a very long time and mm. the fact that the other day there was a conservative MP um, campaigning and and he, he had a really impassioned speech about mental health and students in particular and what what would the government be putting in what he was sort of saying is what will the government be putting in place to make sure that students do not have lasting mental health problems arising from the pandemic and there was one guy in the back going here here and that was it there was one guy there and i know there's social distancing but the way it works is that mps can choose which hearings to sit on which speeches to sit on and Mm -hmm. obviously for a lot of the government for boris himself mental health didn't mean anything uh, the yep. Mental Health Act, yep. 1983, was created 40 years ago and has not since been updated. The terms they use in it are outdated and, frankly, offensive terms. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they, they treat mental health um, patients 
almost as as people who have no sanity if you actually read a lot of the terms and definitions there i would recommend anyone listening to read it because it's very shocking and it's on the government website um some of the terminology they use is horrific and 40 years 40 years that's double our lifetime Mm. And, and mental health has only really been properly researched and investigated i would say in the last five years so i think the government have a long way to go but it is promising to see individuals starting yeah. to stand up, um, starting to stand up and and, and speak out. Yeah. And I, I would add to in terms of universities, mm. um, I would say all I can say is my own personal experience. I'd say at Loughborough, uh, the the disability and mental health team there have been amazing at, at, at getting me sort of coursework extensions last minute, really last minute. I mean, like hours before, <laughs> hours before, would yeah. not recommend yeah. Um, but they've been really good at that. But what I would say, and again, I'm going to keep everything anonymous because I don't want to lose my degree place. Um, there have been members on the teaching staff who I think have come across slightly patronising and, and mm. who have potentially trivialised quite serious, deep-rooted psychological issues and emotional trauma. And yeah. to give one example, I approached a staff member um, via email about a, an issue that I had that for me... Um, meant a lot and it had affected me a lot it affected my sleep it affected sort of my eating um you know it, it was really really deep rooted issue and yeah. she mm. simply responded with um she she simply responded with oh it's okay everyone everyone goes through that and i i don't blame her i don't blame her i think it's a generational thing and i think there's so much more education that needs to be carried out from mm. the top you know the top of the ladder the government um for, for for university staff um i don't know if you've had any similar experiences crystal so if you want to yeah offer, yeah offer i think more to you, that. you're absolutely right and, and like universities one thing they do do excellently well is we're like offering that support say if you're you know having those those call lines those night lines that you can just pick up the phone and talk to someone with those well-being kind of drop-in sessions and they're incredible um but i think you're right like you know it comes down to that that bottom-up approach in terms of increasing awareness and there, there have been some really like you know heartbreaking shocking kind of stories in universities of of students taking their lives like you know same age as us and it just really puts into perspective how how close how real this issue is um, and I think there's um, one thing that could be done is, you know, really making people aware of that. Because when you hear something like that, when you hear some, that someone's taking their life, you know, you really consider which which ones of my friends might be going through something very similar. And you become very um, aware, very um, kind of like awake to that issue. And you, you begin to try and notice it and you begin to try and like really um, see those red flags, which I think is is very important in terms of um, dealing with that issue. Because one of the most powerful things you do in terms of, um, you know, helping deal with mental health, especially the longer term, um, like downturns, the ones that really stop you from living your life the way, you know, you should be able to live it and you want to live it, um, is is opening up to someone and, and really kind of trusting someone. I think this is something we didn't get to mention earlier, but, you know, what one of the things with mental health is, I think it can be, um, it, you know, uh, it is obviously a great adversity. It is a challenge. But, you know, every adversity carries with it that seed of equal greater benefit. You know, there, there is an opportunity from it. And if you, say, have um, a friend that you build a, a trust with, you build that strength of friendship with, you can then open up to, that can be such a fruit of, you know, that, that mental health issue. Because then when they, they face that issue, they know they can come back to you. Um, and so I, I think, yeah, coming back to that university point, as well as having those services, those well-being services, you're right. It doesn't, they do need to increase awareness. They do need to kind of help, penetrate that throughout the whole 
kind of um, you know university more laterally um, as well as having those individual services that people can go to because sometimes you know it is a matter of, of those more personal connections that can help you most um, in those situations yeah definitely um, couldn't agree more I think something else I was going to add to that as well talking about sort of what we can actually do as individuals as men as, as friends you know as, as, yeah. as family members like what, what can we actually do because it's easy to feel helpless it's easy to feel um, right. sort of left behind in a way um even for you know members of the BAME community who feel absolutely left behind left out to dry feel like you know there's no because there's very little resources um when right. I was writing parts for my anthology of mind and matter uh, I was finding that actually there's literally one page on the first three or four pages of google where there's actually a specific service for BAME people um and and people who you know yeah. english isn't their first language and and it's it's shocking because it's shocking you, you, mental health is something again it doesn't discriminate like it you need to cater for ev- each individual You're right. um in a very in a very caring and compassionate way that includes them it's all about inclusivity we can't yeah. exclude anyone we can't leave anyone out of the circle this needs to be all of us working together or we won't you know we'll never solve it it'll be humanity's ongoing ongoing issue and yeah I think something I was saying before, something I'd recommend to everyone out there is group game calls. If you if you've mm. never heard of Psych or any games like that, it's hilarious. I yeah. mean, you can get drinks involved. You can do try not to laugh. Things like that is absolutely you know it's it's such a relief during lockdown. Yeah. yeah. But what I would say is a, a final sort of bit of advice to anyone out there: when you are on those calls, when you are meeting up with friends please try and be more aware of if there's any slight changes in their character, slight changes in their personality. Um, I'm the sort of person that will tell someone that I'm five minutes away, but I'm actually like three hours away. So, so, you know, that's, that is part of my character. But if you've got a friend who's always very punctual, always very on time, always up for a laugh, always up for going out places, but they actually become distant and they start to decline offers. And and you notice that, you know, they're staying up a lot later than they usually would. And Mm. and they're not, they're not pursuing the hobbies they used to do. They're not talking about the same things. It, there's nothing wrong with just saying to them, you know, like, how are you doing, mate? Like, you know, is there anything going on? Is there anything you yeah. want to tell me? Yeah. And in many t- in many occasions, one-on-one conversations are better than group environments for that. So uh, right. what I would say is if, if, you, if that is something you have noticed in a friend, like what's the worst that can happen? If you, if you just ask them, pull them aside, call them after the main group call or something, you know, what's the worst that can happen? They say to you, oh no I'm doing fine I'm just you know just just feeling a bit down like they know you're out there for them and they know that if yeah. anything happens um that you'll you know that you'll be there for them um right you're right so and yeah that, just thought I'd, yeah yeah that can mean the more them. you're right that, that can mean so much and the other thing is you know, say if you're in that conversation and you know say they do begin to open up and like you know like sometimes just listening can be so powerful and like you know can really be a release for them to open up like that and and, you know even helping them with with some of those strategies maybe like saying um i think sometimes it can be a really cloudy issue and there's no clarity and so even helping them say like okay so i mean maybe on that scale where would you put yourself sometimes that might work sometimes that helps that person be distracted from you know that very um first person very isolated scenario to a more third person um, situation i think you're absolutely right kind of being being eagle vision having eagle vision there and like you know there's no loss there's no downside to, to kind of um, looking out for your friend and maybe just sending that message after completely agree yeah um honestly um people reaching out really does help and 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 you know you know if you if you reach out for a friend um if you if you're sort of close friends and and 
you know you, you you're really open with each other you know that if you're in the same position they'll help you so it, you know it. it's a win-win it, there's nothing you can't lose anything um right. yeah i think um just to sort of yeah just to sort of conclude on the main points from from this podcast what we sort of want you know you guys listening to get out of it is firstly um if you are going through a mental health issue please please don't be quiet about it that's that's uh you know that's the worst place to be because it makes you feel even more lonely it makes you doubt yourself and when you're left to your own thoughts um you can very easily become misled if you don't have an unbiased you know outside voice speaking yeah. speaking truth into it um i'll say the second thing as well if you <laughs> if you if you haven't already you know obviously lockdown everyone sort of joins a running train don't they but yeah. uh, if, if you haven't already getting involved with exercise or a hobby perhaps rediscovering an old hobby mm. um so for me that sort of spoken word poetry that's something that i've left um you know left for for quite a long time and, and come back to i would say there's nothing to lose you might as well go out you, you might as well rediscover it um regrow your passion for it um because i know a lot of people see hobbies and things like that as distractions but in reality they're very effective distractions and they can really help you especially at a time when you're feeling really low just be a temporary pull out of yeah. that hole and back yeah. onto solid ground um and then finally i i think the 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 last important point that, w- that we've discussed here is steering away from sort of things which are out of our control sort of such as governmental programs institution level you know because we can't control that so there's no point worrying about it there's no point it's good to raise awareness but there's no point worrying about it unnecessarily if we Mm. if we can't change it um so i think the last point would just just try and be um just trying as much as you can in the next week in the next two weeks before the next episode i'll say try and set yourself a resolution if you see your friends acting differently, acting strange, you know, question it, question mm-hmm. it. And it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be, there doesn't need to be any judgment there. There doesn't need to be any sort of, um, you know, sternness. It's just, it's just checking up on them. It's just putting an arm around them, obviously metaphorically. Um, and, and just saying to them, like, how are you doing? How are you doing? Cause I think we okay. as men, society teaches us that that's not macho and that's weak and we shouldn't talk to each other about those things. And we should only talk about football and, you know sport and things like that um but in reality it's something we really need to start talking about um so yeah i don't know if you had any closing comments christos um, yeah 100 percent. And, and i think you're right just kind of being aware of like maybe what, what some of those red flags might look like especially in this environment um and, and having those games nights you can you can have that channel where you can see everyone you can see if there are any like issues people are facing and and then you know fostering that deep relationship that deep friendship and building that trust and not being afraid of that, not being afraid to kind of build that trust because that can really, um, you know, bear the fruits of like kind of being able to open up to other people will say when you go through struggles and they go through struggles, it's just a win-win. Um, and also, yeah, as you said, taking that perspective, kind of like taking that third person perspective, you know, w- w- what are those trends? How can you kind of mitigate some of those um, extended down moments that you might face um, throughout the challenging periods, you know, many of us are kind of going through. So yeah, completely agree. Perfect. Um, I think I'll just say uh, thank you for thank you for joining us for this for this episode. Um, it's been a pleasure, you know, having you on, getting your insight. No, thank you. Um, and like I said, um, the next episode will be out in two weeks' time, and each episode will be dealing with a specific uh, issue, you know, related to mental health. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Feel free to share with family and friends, and I'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye bye. <laughs>